Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Happy Memorial Day. It's a pleasure to be with you on this beautiful day. At least it's beautiful in Florida. Hopefully it's beautiful where you are. I am sunburnt. I am tired, but I'm here because I don't miss Mondays. And I know you don't either at your club. A lot of podcasters out there, they start a podcast and in a few weeks, they get tired, they get lazy, they just decide, okay, I can wait a day or two. They wait a day or two, they put the next podcast on a couple days late, and then the next week comes around and it it's late again, and they wait a week or another week, another week, and then they just decide, okay, I'm done podcasting. <laughs> Same thing in the service industry, right? In the hospitality industry, people come in, they're gung-ho, and then all of a sudden they fade out, they burn out. Well, this show is for the winners out there. This show is for those that don't give up, that don't quit easily. I know that's you, that's you listening, the ones that have been listening to this show from day one. The reason I can't miss a Monday is because I have people that say, Gabe, I listen to your podcast at three o'clock on Mondays while I'm working out in the gym. That's their day. And I have people that tell me your podcast is my lifeline to the private club industry. And lifelines can't just be there every once in a while when you need them, right? Lifelines can't be there when it's convenient. They've got to be there. So as you can hear, I'm also a little sick. I'm stuffed up, but I am happy to be here. Happy to be with you and provide you this show and this education. And we have a fantastic guest today, Mr. Steve Graves from Creative Golf Marketing. I really enjoyed doing this interview. We recorded this interview a couple weeks ago. Steve is going to talk to us about some false narratives that are in the private club industry and what you can do to combat those false narratives in your club. And it's an engaging and entertaining conversation that we have. He's coming up here just in a few minutes. But like I said, it was a busy weekend here in Tampa, Florida for me and my family. Took the kids to Disney on Saturday, which that's always difficult. That was after I had played golf in the morning and after we had attended a graduation party for someone. So that was a super long day. And then we went to the beach yesterday, which on a holiday weekend in Florida is not an easy thing, as you could probably imagine. So after I uh, fought for parking for about an hour, we schlepped all the stuff out there. And if you've got two kids, that's a lot of stuff. So luckily, we bought this wagon and we we load the wagon along with the kids now. We kind of drag it out to the beach, but it's not easy. You got the tents, you've got towels and sunblock and chairs and wagons and kids and all their toys and everything else. And it's it's quite a bit. So that was a really long day. And I am kind of this not I wouldn't call myself pale. I'm actually Italian, but I'm very light skinned. And to make a long story short, I can't last in the sun more than a couple hours. And I went about four or five almost five hours yesterday and I am super burned. And my wife's actually from South America and she never burns. And she is like red as a lobster right now and in a lot of pain back at home, which I felt sorry that I had to leave her to come here into the office. But like I said, I owe you this podcast on Mondays and I will be here each and every Monday. And I thank you for your loyalty being here each and every Monday as well. So last weekend, I was up at the National Club Association's National Club Conference in New York and had a chance to visit some spectacular clubs 
I want to say a big thank you to the University Club of New York. That was just gorgeous. Uh, they hosted the opening cocktail reception. And if you've never been there, the most impressive thing about that club, I mean, the entire club is impressive, but the most impressive thing is this library they have. They actually have the largest library in all of the world in terms of private clubs, over 100,000 volumes. And it's just this gorgeous library. If you follow me on Instagram, I, I put a picture up there for you about that. So you can see what that thing looks like. Just gorgeous. Another interesting stop was the Friars Club, which is not a very big club. It's a very small building in Midtown Manhattan, and but just has a lot of character. Uh, we had drinks in the Barbara Streisand room, they call it, and dinner was downstairs, and it was it was just really funny. Actually, Philip Mike, who worked for the National Club Association, got up at the end of the evening and uh, did a little stand-up comedy. So that was really hilarious. He was very engaging. That was that was really a good time over there at the Friars Club to experience that. Just some place that's unique that you don't get to see very often. Another stop was the Union Club of New York. James Reisig, if you remember, was a guest on this show a few weeks back, maybe a couple months now at this point. He was talking about food and beverage trends, and I got to see all the stuff we were talking about in the show. Definitely go back and listen to that episode because it was really interesting. But I got to see the sous vide kitchen and meet the chef. And that club has a ton of history. Original George Washington paintings are hanging there. And it looks like you're stepping into this Victorian mansion back in the 1800s. It's, it, it looks like it's unchanged since then. This is actually their third clubhouse, but it has all those decorations as if it was some Victorian mansion. Just gorgeous. James told me how they've actually shot episodes of Boardwalk Empire that were based off the off the club. They weren't shot in the club, but they actually based the rooms off like the locker room of the Union Club and the library at the Union Club, which are some iconic places. So if you're ever in New York, I highly recommend you stop into some of those unique offerings, some of those unique places if you get the opportunity, because they are unlike anything else you'll experience anywhere, really. Very cool trip. And I'll be bringing you the interviews that I recorded at the National Club Conference here in the next couple of weeks once I get them edited. We we recorded something like 10 different interviews. Um, so there's a lot of content there that I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks here. I'm probably going to span at least two episodes with that. Last little fun thing that happened while I was up in New York, though, since we've last talked here on the show... Tara Waldron came up to me and gave me a gift, which was so cool. She gave me this Baltimore Orioles hat that had the Maryland flag on the front bill of the of the cap. And it's it's if you've ever seen the Maryland flag, kind of an ugly flag, but it's a really unique hat and really enjoyed wearing it. I actually wore it to the beach yesterday as I was burning. I had I had my Orioles hat on. If you don't know the story behind that hat and why she would hand me a Baltimore Orioles hat, go back and listen to last week's episode. It was a really good one that we had with Tara. I actually also posted a picture on LinkedIn. If you follow me on LinkedIn, me and Tara wearing that hat. So if you want to see the the crazy hat that she handed me, go over to LinkedIn and check it out. One other little reminder before we bring Steve on. If you haven't already and you don't know that it exists, we have an app, a custom app for Private Club Radio. If you go to the iTunes store or if you go to your Google Play Store, just search for Private Club Radio, and you can download the Private Club Radio app, which is probably the easiest way to listen to this show. You'll get an episode every week. I just installed it for my 
nearly 70-year-old father, and he's been listening now because he could never hear the show before. Now he's got the app and he listens every single week. Not only can you listen to episodes, but you can, of course, read up about our guests. You can vote for the next episode, and you can register for some of the education that we put on those experts that we bring on. We do the webinar series. You can do that here as well. So Private Club Radio app, go to your Android store, go to your iTunes store, and download that one today. And go ahead and put it on a friend's phone. Just take the phone out of their hand or pocket and do them a favor and put this app on their phone because they will thank you for it. (laughs) All right. It's time to bring on our featured guest. Well, my guest today is Steve Graves. He's the president and founder of Creative Golf Marketing. As the president of Creative Golf Marketing, Mr. Graves has rendered over 1,100 consultations and membership initiatives for private club facilities. These consultations and marketing initiatives focus primarily on increasing the club's revenues, marketability, efficiency, and long-term financial stability. Through Mr. Graves' leadership, Creative Golf Marketing has been named membership marketing firm of the year for 15 of the last 17 years by Boardroom Magazine. Additionally, Creative Golf Marketing was recently awarded the Golf Digest Editor's Choice Award for 2017 as Best in Membership Marketing. And Golf Inc. Magazine named Steve Graves Top 10 Influencer at Private Clubs. Steve, welcome to Private Club Radio. Gabe, thank you very much. I really appreciate the invitation to participate uh, in your extraordinary show. And if I may, uh, congratulations uh, on the success of your private uh, Club Radio Show, and specifically your uh, new book, uh, The Definitive Guide to Membership Marketing. I, I, I just completed it, and it was fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was my little labor of love earlier this year, so I'm, I'm happy it's in the hands of people now. Yeah, very good. So today, we want to chat with you about some misconceptions at private clubs and uh, get into t- to some of your thoughts here. So let's talk about the first misconception you've got here, which is millennials are not joining private clubs. Can you tell me why this is a misconception, Steve? Yes, you know, you know, Gabe. Uh, uh, I, I work with about sixty clubs a year, and and uh, uh, as you said in my opening bio, uh, I've worked with over about eleven hundred private clubs. And I keep hearing certain narratives, talking points, excuses, you know, of of why private clubs aren't doing well. And I shared with you a few of them, and and one of them, the first one we hear is that you know millennials are just not joining private clubs, uh, and there's this huge uh, misperception that millennials have rejected the private club concept and it just couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, Millennials are are joining private clubs in statistical comparisons uh, similar to uh, the Boomer and Gen X counterparts, uh, but everybody has uh, made the decision that with this broad brush stroke that millennials have rejected private clubs. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think you're right on. I think it's it's actually the opposite because I think private clubs offer millennials a lot of things that they already want. They want uh, exclusive once in a lifetime experiences. That's one of the major concerns of millennials, and that's exactly what private clubs are set up to do. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the CMAA did a, a a wonderful study on millennials, uh, and it came down to the appealing aspects of club membership. I, I'm 61 years old, so I'm certainly a boomer. Uh, some people would say a dinosaur, uh, and they, it was, it was fascinating, Gabe. They, uh, did a statistical analysis with regard to, an, a, and they looked at what was most important, you know, being invited, being part of a community, uh, networking, prestige, and exclusivity. Uh, and I will admit to you that as I reflect that back at a boomer, 
uh, it was kind of, well, it was the prestige and exclusivity. Yeah. And for all three generations, and millennials, interestingly enough, 56% of millennials, uh, the most important point was being invited, being mm-hmm. Invite me to join the club, being part of a community, and only forty-seven percent for boomers. Uh, and and wow. the two least important to millennials were the prestige and exclusivity of the club. Hmm. Hmm. But they but they wanted to be invited, and as you pointed out so well, uh, they wanted an emphasis on quality, value, experience, and amenities. Yep. And it was more about you know their time and not about the money. Yeah. I think a lot of times uh, people try to just talk about when they talk about the millennials, they, it's, a, it's a really large generation. And, and I think when you think about it, there's, there's probably really two or three distinct categories of millennials out there. Do you, do you find that to be the case, Steve? I really do. That's a great observation. Uh, and you know, just being honest, you know, there's a group of highly successful uh, millennials where uh, golf is, is a big part of their life. Uh, social camaraderie is a big part of their life, and and they're not necessarily you know just you know into climate change and you know some of the things that you know millennials are painted with broad brush. Not to state that those individuals don't have concerns about that, uh, but they like their you know counterparts of Gen X and Boomers uh, are you know very much into uh, affluence uh, and privacy uh, and the the enjoyment of what a private club you know provides. Uh, you know, to them. And so, uh, yes, I, I think the, the repeating myself and I apologize for it. There's this broad brush that all millennials are put into. And I think you've said it right. There's, you know, two or three different segments. And, and one of the, one of the segments is, is clearly, you know, kind of a mirror image uh, of the boomer and Gen Xers that where private clubs are very desirable. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, let's, um, let's move on to your, your second misconception here. So uh, the misconception being there are too many private clubs and the only way that there will be success is for some of those to close down. Why don't you think that's the case, Steve? Oh gosh, we see that all the time across the country. I, I will work with a club, Gabe, and they'll tell me, you know, we're, we're really not that interested in a membership marketing program this year, Steve, because there's a club right down the street that's closing and we're, we're confident we're going to get them all. You know, they're all going to come, you know, to our club. Right. Uh, the, the second one I get, you know, all the time is, boy, you know, there's just too many clubs in the area that's just oversaturated. Uh, and consequently, you know, there, there's just not enough, there's just not enough people. There's just not enough golfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as uh, everybody does their demographic studies in and around, you know, communities, whether you're looking at that eight, nine, 10 mile radius, and you're looking at demographics and psychographics, there's plenty of fish out there. Just people aren't fishing. Right. Uh, and, it, and it's, it's an underinvited industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I reflect back on, again, I'm 61 years old. I used to have really high metabolism. I mm-hmm. used to be pretty slender mm-hmm. and, I, and I did nothing to be slender. I just was slender. I had a high metabolism. You had those good I, I didn't have to exercise. Yeah. I didn't have to work out. Uh, and, and country clubs, for older guys like myself, they were all full. We didn't have to do anything. Right. And we, now I'm a little overweight because I don't exercise. I, I'm doing the exact same thing as I did as a kid. I didn't exercise and I didn't, and I, and, and I ate a lot, but all of a sudden I'm putting it on weight. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, private clubs are using these excuses that there's a saturation as opposed to looking at what they really need to do in marketing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And do you, do you get the, the idea that a lot of clubs think they're in competition with other clubs out there and, and not really all the entertainment options that are available to people? Cause that for me, that's what I think it is. Um, do you, oh, do you what, a great, what, what a great observation, you know, Gabe. Yes. Everybody is convinced that the, the only, com- the only competitors they have are clubs. It's, that's the only thing that they're dealing with is, is what the other clubs are doing. And they're making the big mistakes that other clubs are making of you know, slashing and initiation fees and, doing all these crazy things yeah. as they look at the clubs, as opposed to, uh, you know, how the aspect of a person's life for someone who is a boomer, a private club was the aspect of their life. And, you know, someone who's a millennial or gen X now, it's just, it's an aspect of their life. And, uh, and so we, you know, you and I both know, and we probably are, uh, seeing from the same rooftops that, you know, time, you know, is in fact the competitor that they're dealing with and, and yeah. the complexities of life, not mm-hmm. the other country club. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, golf is, people say a four hour round. I like to say it's, it's really a six hour commitment. I mean, once you get to the course, you warm up a little bit, go on the putting green, hit the driving range, and then, you know, play your round. Then you have a couple of drinks with your friends. You know, you're really talking almost six hours by that point. Oh, there's no question. Uh, and I go back to the days, you know, of the husband making the unilateral decisions, you know, t- telling a spouse that he was going to the club uh, and the spouse taking a very subordinate role and saying, you know, gosh, I just, you know, don't, don't worry, honey, I'll make you dinner when you get home. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know, the, the, the gin rummy after golf and, you know, showing up two hours before the round of golf was there and, mm-hmm. you know, having dinner or calling your wife and saying, Oh, you know, honey, I've listened, I've been at the club for six or seven hours. Why don't you come up and have dinner? Oh, thanks for the call, sweetheart. <laughs> right. And now if I ask my wife to go play golf, she, no, you know, mm-hmm. she, I, I, there, there, there's no longer unilateral. It's all ba- bilateral discussions now going on. Yeah, or or the wife is even at the gym, and then the husband might be back home watching the kids. <laughs> well, well stated, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely well stated. That yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's just been an enormous transformation, and, and the private club industry hasn't been prepared for it. So you know, somewhat similar to the talking points that you and I discussed about this is so they've, they've gone to they've gone to sound bites to justify these things as opposed to, you know, really sitting down and, and looking mm-hmm. uh, in, in a more clear fashion as to what, what really are things that they need to, to devote time to. And, and it's not, and it's not because there's too many, matter of fact, I did some statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the NGF statistics and I, I, I used round numbers. You know, Gabe, there's, there's 16,000 golf courses in the United States, approximately. Mm-hmm. There's 24 million golfers. That means there's 1500 golfers per golf course. Wow. There's four, there's 4,000 private clubs in the United States, approximately 24 million golfers. That means there's 6,000 golf course golfers per golf course. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now I, I know that's skewed. There's more, you know, golf courses in Chicago or Palm desert, et cetera, but there's plenty of consumers and, and that's all just golfers, right? That's not people who want to swim and play tennis and dine. That's right. just golfer. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people out there. We just have forgotten how to ask. And you know, your book does a phenomenal job of, of, of putting the ask you know, out there and teaching people you know, how to make the invitation and how, and how to do the ask. Right. Obviously, working with clients, I think a lot, I mean, in our industry, marketing is a dirty word. So what do you say to folks about that, you know, that, that say, oh, we've been private, we've been exclusive, we don't want to put our message out there? What's your answer to that question, Steve? Yeah, I, you know, Gabe, I, I suffer with that and I deal with it on a daily basis that clubs feel as though, uh, you know, the word, you know, marketing or program or initiative, 
is, is a show of, of weakness uh, and of, of desperation. Uh, and consequently, uh, they would prefer to do nothing then. Uh, and, you know, and, then, and then they do become weak and desperate you know, as they have the deterioration you know, of their membership, no capital dollars mm-hmm. uh, and things. And so it, it is for all of us in this industry, uh, for you and me and, and the many others who deal with marketing in the industry, it's discussing with them the strength of being proactive and, and, the, and, and how marketing, the, the private clubs are no longer immune to the word marketing uh, that it is. And, and as you pointed out in your book, they no clubs even have marketing budgets. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it is a uh, a concept that they never even contemplated mm-hmm. uh, because in, it, they never had to. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think you and I probably both beat the same drum there, where marketing is not does not have to be a dirty word. And I think honestly, to me, good marketing raises the brand value, uh, makes your club. Set, set your club up for uh, potentially raising initiation fees down the line or, or uh, uh, dues or whatever the case may be. Um, that's, that's my own opinion. But anyway. Oh, well, it's, a, it's an opinion I agree with, Gabe. It, yeah. it, it's, uh, and, and, and in my judgment, uh, it, is a, is a, it is a correct opinion. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so uh, point three here, people are playing much less golf than they used to, and they're not joining and, and they're, they're, um, they're leaving private clubs in, on, in, in droves. What, what, why is that such a misconception, Steve? Well, we, we hear this all the time, uh, and, and it goes back to, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, a few other cliches. Uh, with, with, the, with initiation fees plummeting and dues rising, people are looking at the value proposition of, you know, if, if I've heard this phrase once, I've heard it a thousand times, if I calculated what a round of golf cost me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tragic that the wonderful intrinsic pleasure of being a private club member has been reduced to the mathematics of what my dues are yeah. versus how many rounds of golf that I've played. Right. Uh, and so con- consequently, as less golf is being played, people are using that as their false narrative. Well, I just don't use the club enough. Right. And, and I mean, anybody that's ever done any exit interviews, that's the prime lie that a club has that a person makes you know i just don't use the club enough mm-hmm. what they really are saying is is your club has not the experience that i'm enjoying is not commensurate and proportional to the dues that i'm paying right uh and i no longer have connection i, I walk into a club and people don't know my name and, and do not give me a a fond farewell when i leave and a, and a, and a, and a wonderful hello when i get there uh, and so they, it, it, the, so the leadership just says, well, you know what it is. There's people just aren't playing enough golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, and that's why nobody's, that's why we're, that's why people aren't joining and, and that's why people are leaving the club. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's a, it's a false narrative. How do you, there's, how do you, there's, how do you change it from being, cause it, I think what, what, what they're doing there is they're making it golf or into a commodity at that point. So how do you decommoditize that in your, in your estimation, Steve? You know, a, a great observation, and, and uh, it, it slowly has occurred uh, to exactly what you've just described, and so it, it's tough to just uh, you know turn that that ship around too quickly. But you're exactly right, um, and, and and I guess if I could go back on that, uh, affluent consumers are playing a lot of golf. I mean, you know, the average age in the private club industry is, is so I've been told through my research is 61 years old. It could be debated, you know, whether it's you know one or two years the other way. 
right. uh, but around 61, that person has a lot of time on their hands. They're playing a lot of golf. Uh, guys like myself, I own my own business. I can play golf whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's still a lot of golf being played, but they're looking more at the narrative of all golfers across the United States and you know NGF statistics. But back to your, your, your point, private clubs you know, have to go back to talking about the intrinsic pleasure and, and the, 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 the connectivity of friendship and privacy and what you get and the quality of the facilities and the, and, and the uh, events that you, you know, get to play, get to participate in, yep. uh, as opposed to just that round of golf. Yeah. You said it in your book beautifully. It, 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 being a member of a country club is a really bad value proposition. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not a very good investment. It is, it is a bad investment. It, and it's no different of a poor investment than the person that drives the eighty thousand dollar car. It, right. it, it's just transportation. Yep. The the Rolex that you that you talked, I I laughed. It was it was a goal of my life, and I don't have a real expensive Rolex, but I but I have one, and I'm so proud of it. But it just tells time. It, right. It, it it does nothing more than tell time. I don't have a Fitbit with it. It doesn't count my heart rate. It and just tells not, time. It's not any more accurate than a Timex. In fact, it's quite less accurate. <laughs> and, and, and and not anything. And, and the hotel rooms that we stay in, it, it's just a, it's just a place to sleep and a wake up call. And for me, a wet washcloth to do my hair. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not worth the Ritz Carlton prices, mm-hmm. but it is right. the, the intrinsic pleasure that you get from your Rolex, from staying at a Ritz Carlton, you know, from you know driving in the Tesla or or, or whatever nice car you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And private clubs, as you and I both know, have, have allowed this a la carte thinking where they're, they have commoditized it, as you say, as to, well, how many sets of tennis do you play? How many rounds of golf do you play? How many times do you go to the pool? And if, and if those numbers don't add up, they say, oh, well, that's, that's, a country club membership is not worth it because we have compartmentalized and commoditized, as you say, each element as opposed to looking at it as a full uh, as a full pleasure uh, of, of that time and discretionary dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Well said. And I think it's also that shift of, of it being logical. So the logical caveman says, well, how many rounds can I get a month for my, you know, for my dues? Am I getting value there? And if we can change that narrative to be this, you know, what are the, what's the emotional impact? Even if you're at the club a few times a month, um, that's so much better. It's like driving the Tesla, as you mentioned. <laughs> instead it is. Of you know, there, there's, I, and I, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. There's, there's one other thing that occurred, and in, in, uh, with all joking aside, it was called 2008. Sure. And when 2008 occurred, it became hip to be frugal. It was okay for the wealthiest of the wealthy to evaluate usage mm-hmm. and to evaluate you know, how many more, you know, handbags do I need? How many more ties do I need? How, how many more suits do I have? Do I, do I need? People started to look in their closets. Do, do I have enough of this? Do I, I don't need to buy anymore. Uh, you know, kind of, and country club memberships became one of those decision-making things of, you know, gosh, now that the stock market's gone down, I, I need to be a little more careful about my money. Mm-hmm. I need to evaluate some of these maybe less than rational decisions. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, country clubs, you know, were not really boasting as the best uh, value out there. So they became part of that. Uh, they became a statistical uh, uh, loss right. you know, with regard to the decision-making process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
if you, I guess if you can change the, change the narrative in some way and think of, of it as your therapy, then maybe you can justify it. <laughs> That's well, how I do well it. stated. But yeah. Well, well done. My, my, my club is a place for me to turn my cell phone off, get away from the, the noise, the text messages and emails and, you know, as you know, being a business owner, you're bombarded all day long. So that's my my little getaway, anyway. So <laughs> exactly. So, any other thoughts then? How to how to change that? How to how to how to make it not, you know, be that 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 logical commoditized. Um, you know, am I getting the value from it? Do you have any any other suggestions that clubs could? You use? know, I really do, and this this might you know you know kind of get to catch you off guard. Uh, but the the private club industry has become an industry of no. It's become an industry of no denim, no cell phones. It, 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 it is not an industry of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, when you're having fun at a restaurant uh, and everybody's enjoying themselves, you seldom really look how perfectly your steak was cooked. You're just, you're just happy. You, you, you don't look at the price of uh, when the ticket is presented to you. You don't evaluate it as much. Because you had a wonderful time, uh, and private clubs, you know, have have worked so much on reducing expense. They've attacked expense so much uh, that it's time, in my judgment, you know, for private clubs not only to invest in capital, which which you and I both know we're seeing that nationwide. We're we're, we're seeing a reinvestment in capital. Thank gosh, because mm-hmm. every other capital project was you know was named deferred. But they need to reinvest in, you know, in relationships of, of staff and longevity uh, and personal relationships uh, and making people happy. I, I think people will, will go less commodity uh, and, and compartmentalizing how much they use the club. If clubs got back to you know, the Disneyland model of every place you went, there was a smile on people's faces and uh, there, were, there, were, there were more staff than necessary as opposed to less staff. Uh, and clubs were charging less for their food and beverage operation. So the person felt as though they got a a benefit by eating at the club, as opposed to, uh, you know, having to pay high prices. Right. I I, I think if we changed, you know, kind of the environment of happiness at the club, there, there would be less of a, of a narrow analysis of the usage of the club. Well said, well said. And I love what you said there about longevity because I, I think that's a huge thing, at least for me. I, I walk into a lot of clubs, at least here in my local market in Tampa, and I swear every time I walk in, there's, there's new staff. And um, I think that, that just having that stability and consistency is, is super important and, and, and valuable to people that they know, they know your name when you walk in. Something as simple as your name. And um, there's, there's a ton of other things that go along with longevity, but I love what you said about that. I think that's so important. There's so much turnover. It, it, it comes. It comes down to the basics of us as human beings that like recognition. We, we like consistency, and like you say, seeing the new staff member, it's also just as it's a, it's upsetting that they don't know your name, but it's also upsetting that you don't know their name. Right, and, and you 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 don't know kind of whether you can tease them a little bit of hi, how are you doing, Sally, right. or. And, and they don't know if, if, if they can call me Steve or Mr. Graves. Right. Uh, and we, we all know that there's times that a, you would prefer a staff member said, hello, Steve, mm-hmm. as opposed to hello, Dr. Graves. Yeah. Uh, and yes, the, the lack of longevity at clubs uh, has done, in my judgment, an unbelievable disservice to uh, the, the pleasure of going up to your club and being recognized. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. It goes both ways for sure. 
for sure. Here, let's go on to um, point four here. Um, that peop- that uh, the misconception is that people's lives are just too busy to join and remain at a private club. Why is that not the case, Steve? Well, you know, it, uh, to, to a certain extent, it, this one is, is, is almost more factual of all of the ones that I had. And I'm going to go back, you know, kind of to the comment earlier that you made about, you know, what, what is your competition? Uh, and, you know, that the aspect, you know, of a, a private club member formerly was the club. You know, it was, you know, 75, 80% you know, of their life because there was, there was very little competition, you know, that was out there. And now it's an an aspect of their life, but it, it, in my judgment, as we get older, the the it becomes more of the aspect. And I guess I want to I want to veer off a little bit. It, this is kind of down that same road, but I want to go back to a point that you made in your book that was very powerful to me. I've been doing this for twenty seven years, you know, gave in thirteen hundred clubs of, as a company, mm-hmm. uh, and you talked about the value of a member. And you made a, you know you made a great comment with regard to uh, what they spend and dues and you know all those simple calculations. And then you talked about do they do they refer a member? Yeah. Uh, and this kind of goes back to the millennial side, and you know about my life is too busy to remain or join at a club. When you know millennials, I was looking at my Facebook page. I've got a, my youngest son's thirty four. I have sixty five friends on my Facebook page. And maybe 20 of them, I kind of reluctantly accepted. It was, <laughs> Old oh, high school friends or something? Yeah, okay, okay. My son has 535. Sure. Now, yeah. his 535 is probably dwarfed. I mean, there's probably people who have you know, 1,300, 1,800. He, he's got 535. Mm-hmm. So when, when, when all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of people and young people joining clubs, now what has happened, instead of, Instead of soccer practice, or you know, a son, who, a child who likes to pl- like likes to ride their bike, and wants to ride their bike and ride their bike, but you take them up to the club, and you, you they, they get in the junior golf program, and they hit golf balls and they're having a great time. Instead of saying to their father, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to go ride my bike," they're going to say, "Hey, Dad, can we go to the club?" Yeah. But so that person who was saying, "I'm too busy." they had all of their life allocated and the club was a small portion of it. And for their son riding their bike, riding his bike was a huge part of his life yep. until he got introduced to the club and the swim team uh, and, and the snack bar where he could sign his name and get Snickers bars and not realize that it cost somebody something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which you and I have both have gone through uh, personally and as a father. And all of a sudden the club is not, uh, a, a, a poor allocation of the time. It's become one of the aspects of their time. Yeah. And, the, and then with the peer endorsement aspect of, of, of young millennials telling everybody else how much fun they're having at the club and the club filling up, this all of a sudden becomes a false narrative. Yeah. It's no longer that life is too busy to remain at the club because the club is, there, is a, a much larger part of their life. Yeah, and now they are happened. using the club. Yep. Uh, and and now that they're using the club, someone who would have never invited someone before because they were actually speaking negatively, I might even be quitting the, you know, Gabe, I'll tell you, yeah, my club, I, my wife and I are thinking about quitting the club. That certainly is not a ringing endorsement to invite you to join. Yeah, right. But if all exactly. of a sudden my, my kids are in the junior golf program, and they're coming home and they're saying, oh, dad, I had a great time at the club today. And my wife comes home from the pool and, or for, from fitness and says, oh, the soup today at the club was fantastic. And I run into you, Gabe. I'm now going to say, oh, I'll tell you what, Gabe, 
you should join my club. I tell you, my, my wife, I, I love it, but right. my wife and kids, yeah. they just think it's fantastic. Yeah. And so now that narrative of being too busy, it's gone. Right. It, 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 same amount of time. There's still the same 24 hours in a day and all the days in the week and weeks in a month and et cetera. But now we've allocated it up to the club and no longer is that narrative logical. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said, Steve. I, I love I love all your points here. And I, I think in general, what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, you know, all these things that we associate as negatives, we can flip that around and and really use that to our advantage. And um, and if we look at things a different way, shine a positive light on it, if you will. Well, it goes, it goes back also, Gabe, to one of the really pertinent points that you made was uh, how club officials think of marketing you know, as taboo mm-hmm. uh, and as a negative thing. So to go away from marketing, they come up with these false narratives to say, well, you know, it doesn't really make any difference whether we market or not, because you know what? <laughs> Millennials aren't joining clubs. Right. There's too many private clubs. We just got too many private clubs. People are playing much less golf. You know, people's lives are too busy. Yep. So they come up with these narratives, these false phrases to justify that they just don't want to market. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to, in fact, go to the members and talk to them about their privilege and their responsibility. No different than myself. I believe I may have said this before. I spent 156 nights in Marriott's in 2016. You got a lot of so points. <laughs> I say to my wife, the reason, the reason I'm 20 pounds overweight is, honey, I just don't have time to exercise or to eat right because look how much I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. That's a false narrative. Yeah, because there's gyms I, I, in all those I, places. <laughs> every single every single hotel, you know, has a, a very nice you know uh, workout center. Mm-hmm. Every single every single restaurant that I go to does. I do not have to eat a cheeseburger each time. Mm-hmm. But I but I use the false narrative of that's why I can't. That's why I'm overweight is and that's why I can't exercise is because of all these other things. And enough people shake their head in agreement. And go, you know, I travel too, Steve. Boy, that is difficult. I think, oh, perfect. They bought it. <laughs> they, they bought that I just am, am not a disciplined person. <laughs> and club, club officials love it when these narratives get bought so they can do exactly what you said, Gabe, which is, well, that's why we're not going to do marketing because we've got all these negative things. And even if we do marketing, there's just nobody out there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, Steve, you obviously do marketing, creative golf marketing. So let's talk about that and how folks can uh, work with you guys and what you're doing. Well, thank you. Uh, that, that's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, I started my company 27 years ago, never never anticipating that uh, uh, we, we would have I've gotten as fortunate to have worked over 1,300 clubs. And we've had some nice accolades uh, in the industry. We're you know, very much you know, in demand and uh, we're, we're able to, you know, the success that we've had in the industry is uh, we, we listen to what clubs want. Almost every, you know, Gabe, if I, almost every club that calls up says, well, if we could, if you could just get us 50 more members, it's always that 50 more members. Uh, and so, you know, they can, uh, you know, go onto our website at creativegolfmarketing.com or, uh, you know, give me a call. But uh, we, we help clubs to a, a accomplish their goals, whether it's board retreats, uh, you know, whether, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's analysis of membership categories, whether it's demographic studies, uh, you know, whether it's design and implementation of membership marketing programs. But uh, a lot of clubs misinterpret what creative golf marketing does in the industry. We're, we're you know, quite full scale, uh, you know, company, but, but known for the results that we provide uh, in rather prodigious growth for our private clubs. 
Steve, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom here. I really enjoyed the chat and uh, would love to have you on here again sometime. Steve, thank you very much. I really enjoyed speaking with you uh, and it was was really a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be involved in your radio show. Thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Private Club Radio. I'm off to just probably bathe in aloe vera and uh, nurse this sunburn. Hope you enjoy the rest of the Memorial Day activities at your club or if you're with your family. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you back here next week on another edition of Private Club Radio. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.